This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I realize that, uh, again, this is a, I think this is a really interesting subject. I don't know what you all think, but uh, there's so much to it. You know, we could just keep talking and talking and talking, and I'm, I, it's almost hard to fit it all in, but I don't want to, you know, maybe in the first two classes, you know, I'm trying to rush to get through everything, and I don't want to stop anybody to, uh, from, from asking questions or, or any discussion. So uh, don't, we don't need to worry about the time. You know, we've got next week and the week after. We've got 10 weeks total, so we, we've got enough time. Um, at some point, I want to go back through and, and I'm going to have to manuscript these lessons so that they're nice 40-minute blocks. Uh, but uh, anyway, any questions before we jump back in? All right. Well, maybe there'll be questions here as we proceed. Um, but uh, we are trying to finish lesson one tonight. So if you have, if you have your handout, you can turn to... Page six. Okay, we're talking about post-traumatic stress disorder. What's uh, what's commonly referred to as post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. And uh, in terms of just introducing this topic and kind of tackling the basics, we've we've taken a kind of a who, what, when, where, why approach, just trying to. Again, just cover the basics, talk about what this is, who's affected by it. And uh, we've spent a lot of time in the first couple weeks talking about, you know, what it is, basically. And we're going to continue to, you know, talk about that all through the course. Uh, we've also talked about who uh, is impacted by this problem or condition uh, or disorder, you know, whatever the, the, the term is you want to pick for it. And uh, we've made the argument here that uh, just about anybody can be impacted by this problem. Even if it's not a severe case, uh, maybe it's only a mild case. But uh, as 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, um, the problems we experience in life, they are, they are common to man. Um, and the same goes for post-traumatic stress, in my, in my humble opinion. Uh, and we looked at a chart last night on the whiteboard that uh, maybe helped us see how, you know, after trauma, after we experience, after you, you know, me, after we experience a situation or a series of events that are traumatic, um, you know, what, what happens in our mind, it, again, it, it's, it's a common problem, common demand. You know, we all tend to uh, have you know, after those stressful situations, the kind of racing thoughts and uh, difficulty sleeping that night, uh, and, and maybe there's some anxiety, some fear, maybe some anger uh, th that's involved, but our, our minds are racing. You know, we have a difficult time putting this, uh, the event or the series of events, the stress, the trauma out of our minds. And uh, we saw, and we will continue to see that uh, we can all spiral down if we kind of give, if, if we don't seek the Lord, if we allow ourselves to kind of plunge into further 
worry, you know, anxiety, anger, discontentment. You know, we can sink into despair, depression, and uh, again, any of us. Uh, that can happen to any of us. It's not, this is not just a problem that uh, soldiers or Marines or sailors or airmen uh, experience on the battlefield or, or first responders. This is a, a problem that uh, a housewife can uh, experience. If there's uh, stress you know, on the home front uh, or uh, on the job, in the workplace, etc. So again, we, we've already covered all that. I'm tempted to kind of reteach. You know, <laughs> we can't do that. We've got to move on. So uh, anyway, where did we say we left off? Page 6. Let's, uh, let's turn to page 6. You know, we just talked about why, you know, why some seem to really struggle with PTSD while others do not. And we, we started to answer that question. And, well, we did answer it uh, in, in short form, in summary form, and we'll continue to come back to that. But let's, let's move on here. Where? Let's answer uh, this question. Where? Where can those struggling with PTSD find help? Can they find help? from secular psychology. Is that a good place to go? Probably not. In fact, I'm going to, you know, no <laughs> is the answer. Um, the secular community, which obviously does not recognize the authority of Scripture, if you're trying to fill in your blank, the, the word is Scripture, they don't recognize the authority of Scripture to address problems such as post-traumatic stress, they would recommend various forms of psychotherapy, talk therapy, all manner of stuff. And we may, in a week or two, we may look at some of, the, some of them are some pretty zany and weird um, remedies that they propose. I mean, really strange, strange stuff. But uh, as well as psychotropic drugs to quell symptoms. Uh, many folks who have struggled or are struggling with post-traumatic stress or depression, you know, they're given uh, one or more. In some cases, I've read about 10 or 15 or even 20 different prescription drugs to try to just kind of quell their symptoms, just to help them get by. And uh, obviously, that's not getting to the heart of the problem. And that's not going to provide, the, the drugs aren't going to provide a long-term solution uh, to what is a, ultimately a spiritual problem. And uh, I'm going to skip the next little thing there about the brochure. I may come back to that later in this lesson. I, I brought that brochure with me, one that I found in the City Hall in Chesapeake uh, last year on PTSD. And... Uh, Really, uh, no hope really offered in, in that brochure. So we're not going to find help, and I'm, I'm kind of going quickly here. Please stop if you want to, you know, go in if you want to ask questions or discuss at greater length. Yes. Well, I say I read the, the section of the brochure where you're talking real quick. I say probably the only positive thing that comes out of that is healing takes time and talking. So yeah. Seen is the people that don't talk about it are the ones that uh, 
Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned that, Josh. Thank you, because that, that helps to kind of balance us out here, and, and that's good. And I should have had a little bit more in here. You're exactly right. Talking does help, and, um, it, and, and in, especially in severe cases, it, you know, take time is needed. Um, yeah. 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 No. Very good. That, you're you're right. Uh, several people that uh, in severe PTSD cases. I won't go into what they what they did or what happened to them, but all they wanted was somebody to listen. They wanted they wanted. They wanted there was no, uh, just no judgment, no nothing. Just mm -hmm. someone who would sit there and listen to me. Yeah. And for, for me, it has been successful. Mm -hmm. but, uh, and you were right about the drugs. The, uh, I know one individual lives in Virginia Beach. The, he was taking the, the PTSD stuff from the VA. And he wound up on his lawn. Yeah. He has no idea how he got there or anything else. Just one day he woke up on his lawn. And yeah. Thought, wow, did you take your drugs or didn't you? Yeah. And yeah. Well, yeah, and we could cite uh, many, many, many examples, uh, real-life cases of folks who've been on, you know, prescribed, you know, a number of different drugs and... Uh, yeah, oftentimes, I mean, not only is it those drugs not going to provide a long-term solution, a real solution to, you know, the deepest need of their heart, but uh, it can also complicate matters and lead to other other problems. So, one of the uh, probably one of the most insane things I've ever seen. I watched a video that was shot in World War One, and they talked about. Uh, PTSD, shell shock, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And the thinking of the time was if you had uh, somebody who was sent back from the front with shell shock, PTSD, you help them out as much as you can and send them right back, straight back to the front mm -hmm. as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And that drove the suicide rate just mm -hmm. through the roof mm -hmm. because these people were already messed up they sent them right back into the to the artillery barrages and stuff like that, and it's, the people just said, "What's the use?" Mm. Yeah. And they did they really and truly did not address it in World War One. They didn't address it in World War Two, and they did not address it in Vietnam. Yeah. You know that's an interesting point that you make, and. Uh, you know, you're going to see a difference if, if you look at the literature. You're going to see a difference of opinion there. There are many who would say that it is helpful to get, you know, if there, there's certain, apart from war, it could be, you know, something at home, in the, on the job. If there's something that's been traumatic to you, that's stressing you out, many would argue that rather than totally removing yourself from the situation, and which may, you know, 
lead someone just to kind of sit there alone with their, their, their memories, their fears, to get back, confront, get back in the situation, and try to overcome your fears. You know, of course, and we're, we're kind of talking in just secular terms. Okay? If, if our hope is in the Lord, um, you know, we can do all things through Christ. And that, that's, that's the true solution. And I even want to jump back into what, you know, I appreciate what Josh said. Uh, although, and I agree with you 100%, and, and biblical counselors would say the same thing. But then, like you pointed out, you know, what we're talking about, you know, matters. And in the end, we need Bible truth. You know, that, it, it's the Word of God, God's truth, um, as we know our God better, Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1, as we know God through His Word, that's when He multiplies grace and peace in our lives. So, talking is good, um, but uh, of course it depends on what you're talking about. And uh, just talking generally, you know, that's helpful. It's helpful to talk, but again, we need to, we need to know the, the ultimate solution is, is found in the Lord and in His Word. And, and we understand that, and I, so I appreciate so, what you're yeah, saying. So for, you know, and who you're talking to, like, I can go home and my wife will give me great, you know, spiritual advice and stuff if I'm dealing with something at work, but she doesn't necessarily understand what I'm going through. So some of the tough, really tough stuff that I've had to do at work, the first person I call is my dad. You know, and sometimes he can give me okay advice, and sometimes he doesn't, but he's somebody that I trust that I know understands what I'm going through, mm -hmm. you know, and I know at work a lot of us, we talk amongst ourselves because we we understand where talking to someone who's never been there has no idea. They may care about you, but they just don't get it. And, you know, and sometimes it's, it, it depends on, you know, who you're talking to as well. But I think talking is some of the uh, most important things. I talk to my wife, some of the best things that she can do is just stop. Just listen. Yeah. Just let me talk. Yeah. Don't say a word. Just let me talk. Yeah. We need to be good listeners. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. And uh, so anyway, thank you. Yeah, the, the reason I, I quoted this, and maybe I could have done a better job with what I put in there, or at least, yeah, the thing that struck me when I read this, this brochure is, uh, you know, it just talks about, Treatment may include medicine, therapy, or both. And beyond that, if you read through this thing, sadly, there's just n nothing there. No, no real hope, no real answers. Uh, and that's, this is typical of, of what we'll find, you know, what you'll find in the, uh, the secular community. Uh, anyway, what about, we, cut, we, we say Christian counselors uh, as opposed to um, biblical counselors, and uh, in the in the counseling world, you know, we kind of distinguish between the two. Uh, biblical counselors are gonna they believe in the sufficiency of the Word of God, you know, to to solve to help with the problems of life. Uh, there are many Christian counselors who are kind of halfway between the the you know they they kind of use a lot of the methods and and. Uh, adopt a lot of the philosophy of the secular community and psychology, and then they uh, sprinkle in a little bit of Bible as well. And so, not the best option. Some Christians argue that since PTSD is not mentioned in the Bible, 
trauma survivors are better off seeking the help of professional licensed psychologists uh, while finding encouragement in their community of faith. So, um, again, not the best approach. And I give you the example here of Diane Langberg, who's a well-known Christian psychologist, counselor, and she talks about how individuals, if they really need help, they need to be referred to professional, licensed therapists who have expertise, you know, not a pastor, not a godly believer who knows the Word of God, but they need to be referred to an expert, you know, a therapist. And then one day, maybe they can be returned to active church life. And, and we would say that, uh, you know, someone who's struggling with PTSD, you know, if they, if they know the Lord, they need to be in church. They need the body of Christ. They need their brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside and encourage and minister the Word of God to them. They don't need to be isolated from the body of Christ on a counseling, you know, a little therapist's bed, you know, with a, with a you know, a secular psychologist. So, uh, anyway, moving right along. Uh, so, what, where, where can those struggling with post-traumatic stress find help? Well, we've already answered that. You know the answer. It's, it's in God and His Word. And uh, we believe, and we're not going to take time to elaborate much now, but we believe that the Bible is sufficient. Okay, that's your fill in the blank at the bottom of page 6. The Bible is sufficient to address the spiritual problems of man to include post-traumatic stress. Um, and uh, I'm tempted though, I just said we're not going to elaborate, but I'm tempted now to have you turn... Turn to 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. We should do that real quick. Let's just look at one of these passages. Second Timothy 3. I like this little talking feature on my phone here. I you can talk right in there. Oh yeah, You're, I, we so agree. We, you know, we don't have beer and liquor, and we don't have guitars and drums, and we don't have porn in the Bible, terms that we use today. But you don't think that Peter, you know, who was basically, if we want to put it in today's terms, held a gunpoint in question about being a father, follower of Jesus, not have issues? You oh, know, yeah. Lazarus who committed suicide after realizing the mistake that he made? Yeah. And it may not go into depth, and I don't want to read into God's Word and get into a type of interpretation that I wouldn't agree with, but they were humans just like us. No, you're, you're, uh, you're right, and uh, we made that point last week. Uh, we mentioned Joseph in the Old Testament. Think of everything that he went through. You know, sold into slavery as a teenager, away from his dad and mom, um, lied about. Uh, thrown in prison, forgotten about in prison. You think about uh, everything that Job went through. Think about, you know, David, uh, the Apostle Paul. Um, again, this is, I'm looking at page five of your handout. 
you know, you can check out, you know, not now, but 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 29, and the whole list of traumatic, you know, events and circumstances that he was uh, exposed to. And so you're absolutely right. And we could point to, and I need to do a better job with the notes. There's some, there's some verses that directly refer to what we might post-traumatic stress. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll work those into maybe a later lesson. Uh, they should have been in this lesson. But uh, no, you're right. So anyway, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect uh, or complete, is the sense of that word perfect, complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Um, the Bible, whoop, I just hit the wrong button here and lost my place, but the Bible is sufficient to make us complete, uh, perfect, to furnish us, equip us, to perform every good work, to live the life that God wants us to live. We could also look at 2 Peter 1, where, uh, how's it go there? Uh, it talks about the Word of God. Uh, let me look it up. Take a look at 2 Peter 1 with me. 2 Peter 1, KJV. Okay, according, verse 3, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, uh, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Where are these great and precious promises given to us? In, in Scripture, right? Where do we, going back to verse 3, where do we attain the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and grace in His Word, the Scripture? And so through Scripture, the beginning of verse 3, God gives us everything we need for life and godliness. Okay? That we might, jumping down to verse 4, be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Uh, the Bible is sufficient to address uh, every problem that we face in life. So where can we find helps? Jumping over to page 7. In the Word of God. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Psalm 62, verses 6 through 8. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. And then how about Psalm 50, verse 15? Call upon me in the day of trouble, God says to us. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. 2 Peter 1, verses 2 through 4. Uh, we just read that pretty much, so I won't read it again. But we can have grace, verse 2, grace and peace can be multiplied to us. I love that. This is, this is a wonderful promise. It's an implied promise, okay? But it's a promise nonetheless that as we grow in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, 
God will multiply His grace and His peace in our lives. And that right there, that's the answer to post-traumatic stress. Uh, we, could, we could end the, the ten weeks right there with 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Um, grace and peace from God can be multiplied to us. We can experience God's grace, His peace in abundance. How? As we know Him better intimately through His Word. And uh, in the latter portion of this course, uh, that's what we're going to be looking at. Basically, we're going to expand on that verse, and we're going to talk about knowing our loving God, our sovereign God, our all-wise God. Um, that really is the answer to every problem that we might encounter in this life that would tempt us to to become anxious, to become angry, to fall into discontentment and despair. All right, moving right along, because we, we promised we'd finish this tonight. Conclusions. Anyone, we, this goes back to the first lesson, anyone can struggle with PTSD, although, you know, you're going to see as we get into this next lesson, we talk about is PTSD, should we call it a disorder? I almost don't like how I, what I said there. You know, anyone can struggle with PTSD. That's true. Anyone can. Okay? Doesn't have to be a combat soldier, like we said. Anyone can struggle with PTSD. But are they really struggling with PTSD? Okay, I'm just trying to, you know, if I wanted to correct that, I might say anyone can struggle with the symptoms, the problems that we commonly associate with PTSD, um, you know, we're going to be talking about this in a few minutes. You know, PTSD is not a thing. You know, it's not a tumor. You know, we, you know, we struggle with our, our anxieties, our fears, you know, the anger, the discontentment. Uh, and of course, it's understandable because, you know, here on this fallen planet, we, we encounter some pretty, and some more than others, of course, some pretty traumatic things. So, um, but again, anyone can struggle with these symptoms. We are all weak and fallen. Our minds and bodies are infected by sin. Apart from God's grace, the trauma and stress of life could easily overwhelm us. And uh, here's a verse, Josh, that uh, refers to, you know, in, in one sense, could, be, could maybe refer to PTSD. Proverbs 18, 14, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. Okay, this is Proverbs 18, 14. The spirit of a man will sustain his, his infirmity, his physical infirmity. So if you get, uh, you know, you, you, get your, you get a severe you know, laceration on your arm or, or whatever, injury to your leg, okay, your spirit can sustain you through that physical ordeal, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? Okay, God is saying, you know, the Holy Spirit is, is telling us through Scripture here that these problems are hard. You know, when we are wounded spiritually, emotionally, when we encounter severe trauma, stress, uh, it's difficult. And we all know that. We all understand that. Um, and I think we could all testify, at least in my life, 
you know, I've had some physical problems. I've had, you know, I, I still have cancer, and I've had major surgeries and all that kind of stuff, and you, many of you say the same thing. But that kind of physical stuff is, is easy compared to the, the emotional, the spiritual, you know, the temptations to anxiety and anger and despair. That's, that, and that's what this verse is speaking to. A wounded spirit, who can bear? All right, next point. We must be humble as we consider PTSD. Some people have experienced severe trauma beyond what we can fully appreciate. Others have experienced less serious forms of trauma or stress, which prove to be just as problematic for them. Um, we should not, and again, we've, we've made this point, you know, what, what impacts me might not really impact you. You may say, well, man, I, how did you, why did you get depressed over that? That didn't seem like that big of a deal at all. So maybe what, uh, what I have a hard time with, you may think, well, that doesn't sound like much to me, and, and vice versa. You know, we're all a little bit different, and we're all weak. We're all, we're all frail. Uh, we should not minimize the seriousness of PTSD. It is a real problem. Again, I want to put a little asterisk there. Um, we should not minimize the seriousness of what can happen to us in the aftermath of trauma as we struggle with unwanted memories and certainly as we struggle with anxiety and fear and maybe anger, discontentment, it can cause you know, serious problems. Those problems are real. But Christians serve a real God who promises grace and peace. Remember 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. He promises grace and peace to those who will know and walk with him. Amen. And we'll spend uh, the last several, last few sessions talking about that. It is normal to struggle in the aftermath of trauma. It is normal to have nightmares and intrusive thoughts. Such persons, okay, here, here we're jumping ahead here to the next lesson. We're going to make the argument that such persons are not disordered. And it, uh, it's even normal at times to be afraid. Okay, it makes sense to be afraid when you've, when you've uh, encountered something that's extremely fearful. But what does the scripture say? What are we to do with our fears? Well, the Bible says that what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. I will trust in God. Psalm 56, 3. And uh, so it's not so much our circumstances that matter. Remember, we've made this point a few times. But what we do with our circumstances, how we respond to our circumstances, how we interpret our circumstances. And uh, do we take them to the Lord? Do we take our cares, our burdens, anxieties to the Lord? That's what we need to do. And, uh, of course, we'll be talking about that more in the lessons to follow. But first, in this next lesson here that we're going to start now, although we'll probably pause here and see if there's any questions or comments, we want to ask, we want to take a little uh, break here from covering these basics. Oh, this is almost more, more of the basics, in a sense, because we're kind of further unpacking this whole issue, this problem, this condition, this disorder, whatever you want to call it. We're asking the question now, should this be considered a disorder? Should PTSD be labeled a disorder? Very interesting question, in, in my opinion. And uh, I think that this will be interesting as we go through this. 
and I can already tell we're certainly not going to finish it tonight, but that's okay. Uh, we will continue next time. Any comments, though, before we continue? Any thoughts before we jump back in here? I need to remember to bring this. I, I remembered for Dennis, and then I forgot for Josh. Brother Sayer wasn't here last week, and he said he listened to the session, but when folks were talking, you know, you couldn't really hear them. So I need to remember to walk around, although that might discourage anybody from making a further comment or question, but uh, <laughs> I, I should try to do that. All right, let's, let's uh, keep going then. Should PTSD be considered a disorder? All right, it was first termed a disorder in 1980 when the third edition of the Do Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or the DSM, we're going to refer to it as the DSM in the rest of this lesson, was published. This is a, a big, thick book about that, bit, uh, that, about that big that lists you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of disorders, so-called, that uh, mental disorders, so-called, that uh, folks suffer from today and for which they are treated by psychiatrists and psychologists and, and other folks. Okay, so since that time, again, millions of Americans have been formally diagnosed with this disorder. Consequently, many of these individuals have been prescribed various psychotropic drugs, sometimes 5, 10, 15 different drugs all at once, in, in certain cases, to alleviate their symptoms. Many also receive disability benefits due to their disorder. But is PTSD really a disorder? Is that what we should call it or think of it as? Um, that's the topic we're going to be looking at today and next time. Yes, ma'am. would be no. But when you look up the definition of disorder for when it first came out that they realized that this is what people were suffering and mostly I think it was at the time considered a war you know heroes issue um, just because it says that disorder is a lack of order or a disturbance in their physical or mental just being um, a kid and watching my dad, you know, being a Vietnam person, I didn't know why he did the weird things that he did. And probably, I mean, there was a lot of weird things, but probably the most prominent thing was the day I graduated high school and when I came down to, like, see my family and all that, my dad was gone. And I'm like, where's my dad? You know, and it was so hurtful that he just left. But I didn't know at the time that it was because of the crowd situation, that he was having anxiety from, you know, being in this crowd situation. And it took years, I'm talking my husband, by this time Herschel was almost out of the military. I mean, it was pretty close that he was getting ready to retire. And he had, my dad had given me an article when I went to see them, and he said, you need to read this. I think this is your husband. So I read the article. And I looked at it, and I looked at it, and I looked at him, my dad, and I'm like, Dad, this sounds more like you than it does Herschel. And he looked at me like, what? I said, Dad, look at all these things. This is exactly what you were like, all me growing up. And he, and he had never gotten any help. He saw horrific things, and it saddened me to think that all these years that I just thought, 
why is my dad so like disconnected that all along it was because he was dealing with, you know, the stress from Vietnam. And that was when I was just a baby. I mean, he went to Vietnam right after I was born. So my whole life, I just thought my dad was like this antisocial man that, you know, didn't really. And then it took him into his late 60s before he ever even started dealing with that. And then being able to even talk to my husband about it as, you know, Herschel was later in his career and he started finally sharing all these traumatic things that I had no idea about. And he'd never told anybody, not my mom, nobody. Because I just, I mean, I just, I feel so sad for this, this older generation because it just wasn't something that they were, it was not acceptable to say, I have a problem. So I can see why they considered it a disorder because technically he was yeah. he wasn't yeah. in order. Yeah. You know. No, that's a that's a great point, and uh, I'm really glad you shared that, Kim, because this is important. It, what's not important here? We're not looking for like a yes or no answer to this question. What matters is that we understand all the issues involved, you know, the different arguments and what's going on, and especially with the secular community, the APA, who publishes this manual, there, and we're going to see it as we go through this lesson. I think, again, I think this is going to be very interesting. We're going to see a lot of stuff in here that's uh, probably, I'm sure that we'll all learn something, you know, some of this stuff you've not... You, you haven't heard before, and it's going to catch you by surprise. And so what, what's important is just that we understand all the baggage and uh, kind of what goes into some of these secular diagnoses. If at the end of this, you think that we should still, it's your opinion that post-traumatic stress disorder, it is a disorder. You know, that's fine. You know what? We could say, we could conclude this. It really is a disorder uh, in the sense that we are all disordered because of sin. Uh, and I'm not necessarily talking about specific sins, but just, you know, Romans 5, 12 through 21. You know, we have a sin nature that's been passed down to us. We are frail people. You know, there's not going to be any PTSD in heaven, right? No PTSD in heaven. We're going to be perfect, perfect minds, perfect bodies. But while we're here on earth and while we are fallen and prone to these anxieties and, uh, and again, some people suffer horrible, you know, they, some people have, have truly suffered. And uh, I've, I, I may share a little bit more of my testimony, uh, some of the things that I've struggled with. I may share that. I'm, I go back and forth if I should or not. Um, everybody likes personal testimonies. It kind of gets everybody's attention, but I don't... I don't want to make it about me, but uh, I don't want anybody to think that I'm up, you know, that I'm minimizing any of this, especially as we ask this question, because I can tell you that I've struggled with some stuff. I've, I've really struggled, and uh, two, in two big areas in my life, uh, stressful kind of stuff that was traumatic for me. Maybe if I told you about it, you'd say, man, you're a wimp. But uh, for me, it was traumatic, it was stressful, and I truly, truly struggled. And uh, even suffered, even struggled with depression for about a year and a half. I mean, real serious depression. 
Um, and so I'm not, I'm not minimizing any of this. Uh, these are real problems. But technically, should we call this a disorder? And again, at, at the end, if you think we should, that's fine. But uh, what's important is that we understand everything that's kind of going into this, you know, and how, how we label these things. So anyway, good, good comment. What's the time here? 8.09. Okay, we got six minutes. Or, uh, or more. If, if Jason, you say you wanted to go to 8.30? Is that what you yeah, just said? Go, okay, no. All right, first, as a preliminary matter, we should again affirm that nearly all people struggle to some degree with unwanted thoughts, fears, and other emotions in the aftermath of trauma. In this sense, the problem is real. Okay, it's kind of what I just said. This is a real problem that people struggle with. We're not minimizing that. Uh, we're not coming at this arrogantly uh, or ignorantly. Okay, we, we under, this, is, this is a real problem for folks. Most of us have experienced this to some degree or another. And so we should not discount the reality or difficulty of this particular type of suffering. But is PTSD the problem? Okay, is, is that the problem? Is it PTSD? Do I have this like PTSD tumor that I'm suffering from? Um, that, that's kind of the, the fundamental question. More specifically, in this lesson, we're going to ask, should this condition, whatever you want to call it, be termed a disorder? And uh, we're going to look at several reasons why we should not consider PTSD a disorder. And then maybe at the end, even though I don't have in the notes, you know, we could make a a few arguments why we could label it a disorder. Um, but uh, number one, the manner in which PTSD is diagnosed, along with the criterion used for diagnosis, are highly subjective. Highly subjective. That's your fill in the blank there. Okay. In other words, not objective, very subjective, like very fuzzy like uh, hard to nail down, very uh, open to uh, opinion. And, uh, and, and as we continue here, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Okay, first let's talk about the manner of diagnosis. Individuals are diagnosed with PTSD when, during an appointment, okay, that they have with a doctor or psychiatrist, they go in there, they meet with their doctor, they describe the symptoms that they've had, that they're experiencing, and based on what this person tells his doctor or psychiatrist, that psychiatrist diagnoses him with PTSD. Just based on the patient's self-reporting, hey, I have these symptoms, doc, I'm having nightmares, I have flashbacks, etc., etc., and so the doctor looks at him and says, okay, and you, and what was, the, what, what are these stem from? Okay, I was involved in a serious automobile accident or whatever the trauma was, or maybe it was a series of events. Okay, you have PTSD. That's what happens. Um, there's no, we're going to get into this, well, right here, right below. Okay, so let's keep going. So, and th this applies to all psychiatric diagnoses, not just PTSD. But note, this is important, they are not based on laboratory tests. Okay, laboratory test is your next fill in the blank. For example, a blood test. Okay, you don't take a blood test. Or radiological studies. 
radiological is your next fill in the blank, such as a CT scan or an MRI. Okay, none of that is involved. We've already said there's no PTSD tumor. Okay, nor are there physiological or genetic tests that confirm the presence of PTSD. Now contrast this with Down syndrome, for example. When uh, a baby, when a child is diagnosed with Down syndrome, how is that determined? Yeah, I mean, that's an objective test that is, is uh, you know, blood tests and those other kind of tests. Um, I'm not a doctor, so I can't, but I, but I know there are real tests that are done and uh, to diagnose that problem. Same thing with cancer. We don't necessarily think of cancer as a disorder, but uh, if you've got cancer, they go in and they do a biopsy and they run tests on the little tumors that they pull out of you. They did this to me. They did this to you recently. And uh, they can tell for sure that you have cancer. Okay? So there's a big difference. You see that. And how about, uh, how about this? We'll have to stop. We'll do letter B and then we'll stop before we get to number two. But how about the criterion used uh, to, to diagnose PTSD? And we looked at these in, in the first lesson, in the, or the first day. We looked at the different criteria. Okay? But one of them, according to the DSM, symptoms must persist for 30 days before an individual can be diagnosed with PTSD. 30 days is your fill in the blank. And then on to the next page. If symptoms last for less than 30 days, the individual is said to have a different disorder. Anybody, does that anybody strike you as a little bit funny there? So uh, you, you describe these symptoms. Okay, Doc, I'm suffering from these nightmares, flashbacks, etc., etc. How long have you had these symptoms? The psychiatrist asks. Well, I've had them for 30 days now, 31 days. Okay, you have PTSD. Well, I've only had them for 29 days. Okay, you don't have PTSD, you have acute stress disorder. So you kind of see what we're talking about as far as the subjectivity here. Okay, and uh, if you spend any time Looking at the DSM, again, this is the, the Bible of the, I hate to even use, I shouldn't use that term. Okay, this is like the, this is the, the guidebook for the secular folks, the psych, psychiatric world. This is their handbook where they've got all these hundreds and hundreds of disorders, so-called. Um, you'll see that there's lots and lots of subjectivity. In fact, the DSM is now in its fifth edition. Okay, and every time it's published again, the most recent edition came out in 2013, they change for the same disorders. You know, they change everything up and they add new criteria, they change the names. I mean, it's just constantly evolving, very, very, very subjective. And uh, we're going to see a lot more of that next time. And, uh, and so we'll look, we'll look forward to that. Or at least I will. I don't know if you will or not, but uh, maybe you'll decide to drop the course. But uh, anyway, any questions before we, before we continue here? I just wanted to add something. Go. I give uh, 
issue that comes with PTSD and how uh, the world wants to look at it or handle it is the problem that they're trying to put a tangible term and a tangible fix to an intangible problem. Um, you know, he talked about it not being cancer, it's not a blood test, it's not anything that we can touch or feel. And science is trying to figure this out. And science is all about the scientific method. You'd be able to do something, you have a result, is it repeatable? It's, you can't do that. PTSD throws that completely out the window just based off of the variability. What he experiences, what she experiences, what he experiences, what he experiences, they could all experience the exact same thing and all have different responses. All of us are built differently. And then, you know, we talk about it's primarily in the military or, you know, specific career paths. And then we talk about your mom. You know, one individual could have one traumatic event or like your guys that went to World War One, World War Two, Vietnam. They went to war once, experienced very traumatic thing, and then that was it, and then they're back home and not in the military again. And then you have your first responders who are repeated over and over and over and over for 20, 30 years, you know, and then each individual, it, how they respond to it is different. And so there's too much variability. And, like, I like to use the um, analogy of, like, you've got 11 blind people and they're all feeling an elephant trying to say what it is. They're all feeling an elephant. We're all talking about PTSD. The problem is, is that we're trying to put a tangible, tangible terms and tangible fixes on an intangible object because you only know what I tell you because I told you. I, you know, it's like uh, when I go, when I went to the doctor and they, they were asking me if I have sleep apnea. I don't snore. I don't do wake up and stop breathing in the middle of the night. But they're like, do you? have nights where you, uh, you know, get a full night's sleep and still tired? I was like, no. The answer is yes, but I'm a fireman, so I could have, like, no sleep, and it doesn't matter, you know. So it's just one of those things that, like, I can tell. It's only based off of what I am telling you and what I'm not telling you. And you have people that say things that aren't true. You know, we're imperfect humans. And so the problem is, is it's an intangible object, again, that I feel like we're trying to understand, and the human mind is... A very confusing yet amazing thing. Yeah. Hey, Rob. Hi. Um, I was in the Army for 12 years, and during my first tour to Iraq in 2003, 2004 to 2005, um, that was a really hard time. And today is the, marks the death of my fraternity advisor. Uh, he died stateside while I was overseas. And I looked up to that man. And um, I spent a lot of time with him because my father wasn't really there for me growing up. And I, look, uh, I looked up to that, my fraternity advisor, more like a father figure to me. And I spent more time with him. And I, I thought that I, he died in a house fire. And I thought that I could have prevented it if I didn't go to Iraq. And I spent a lot of time. And um, they took me off a of mission they took my rifle away from me during my tour for a week and I was I was really distraught by that and um, when I came back I was I I'd, I'd stayed in a drunken stupor for three years I was blacked out for three years and um, I 
they told the, uh, when when the army docs asked me if if uh, what my symptoms were, if they the the post deployment assessment, um, they determined that I had post traumatic stress disorder, and so I learned to not answer them by lying because I wanted to stay in the army, and. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous because I don't I I knew that I wanted to stay in but <sighs> it's hard yeah one of the things that uh, when I was going through uh, police investigation school mm -hmm. they tell us that uh, once you get uh, you get out into the field you're gonna see police officers EMTs firemen and stuff and they're going to make, you will hear them making some of the crudest jokes you have ever heard in your life. And with this person, or what's left of that individual, and he said, what you don't see is what these people are like once they get back to the station. Once they're out of the public view, then they really become themselves. And, and they said, what you're going to find is two totally different individuals. You've got the public view, and you've got the private view. Mm. Yeah. And you have to learn to differentiate between the two of them. Thank you uh, for sharing those comments. And uh, I was going to make a closing comment, but we'll just, uh, let's, let's close in prayer since we did go a little over. Uh, and that's, that's okay, though. I, uh, I'm not in any hurry, but uh, I appreciate the discussion. Um, yeah, these are real, real problems that we struggle with. And so praise God for the help that we can find in Him uh, and His Word. Uh, let's, let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, we are so thankful. Lord, we live on a sin-cursed world. We are sinful people. We're weak. We have many frailties, Lord. Uh, it is easy for all of us, Lord, apart from Your grace, to succumb to these uh, various traumas, stresses that we encounter in life, Lord, uh, we, we would other, utterly sink, Lord, if it were not for you. And so we are, we are so thankful, Lord, for the hope of the gospel, the hope that we can have through Jesus Christ, and not only for the hope of uh, an eternity uh, with you, uh, Lord, but even now, while we remain on earth, Lord, as we remain uh, in this uh, sin-cursed world, Lord, we can experience your grace, your peace uh, to endure and persevere as we know you better through your word. We're so thankful for that, Lord. Help us to do that. Help us to know you better. Uh, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.